This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And I'll suck you up and I'll spit you out and I'll play with your babies till you scream and shout, oh yeah. Hello and welcome to Burn It All Down. This is a hot take. This is Jessica here and I'm joined by Lindsay and we are here to talk about the women's final four. I guess it was okay. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it took years off of my life, but totally <laughs> worth it. Totally worth it. So let's just do like a really quick recap, just in case someone's listening who missed this. And I'm sorry if you've missed any of this, but the final four this weekend, we had Oregon versus Baylor, five point game. Baylor won 72 to 67. Notre Dame versus UConn, the other semifinal, another five-point game. Notre Dame won that one, 81-76. And then today we had the championship between Baylor and Notre Dame literally came down to the last second of the game. Baylor won by one whole point, 82-81. to Lindsay, where would you like to start? Where do we even start with this? You know, it's tough because obviously you want to give Oregon and UConn their due. They're great teams. and Yeah, great games. Those semifinals were phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just so spoiled. But I can't think of anything except the final right now. <laughs> like My brain is just having a hard time, you know, processing. So let's start there and maybe work backwards. So <laughs> I, I should say from the start that I only watched the first half of this game and then like a very loving partner I went and picked Aaron up from the airport so I was watching on my ESPN app I was actually making Aaron narrate it to me as I was driving (laughs) oh my god are there more points I think what's most telling we just said that they there was a it was a one-point game in the end at the half Baylor was winning by 12 points 43 31 I think it's fair to say that they 100% dominated Notre Dame in the first half of this game what happened in the second half Baylor was the better team for sure. And what happened in the second half is a few of Notre Dame shots started falling, but mainly what happened is Lauren Cox got injured. So mm, the, the big. Baylor forward Lauren Cox, who is, you know, I got to watch her in Greensboro last weekend because Baylor was a top seed in Greensboro. And, you know, I, I don't watch uh, Baylor that much. I don't watch much Big 12, but it was seeing her in person was just I don't know why we're not all talking about her all the time. (laughs) Just her (laughs) versatility is just phenomenal. And the way she kind of like runs the show from the post is something that you just don't see. Yeah, she like has Uh, a bunch of assists. Yeah, she has a bunch of assists every game. Like she has five or more assists like every game. That's amazing. absurd. And she just has these moves that just like leave you like, you're like, that's not, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Like, that just doesn't seem like you should do it. But was she out of the game then for the rest of the game? Yeah. So she, oh, wow. she got she got tangled up with Kalani Brown, the other se- the center of Baylor there, this 
front court powerhouse duo. They got tangled up a little bit. And I mean, it looked like a really bad knee injury. She came mm. down really weird on it. It was one of those injuries where the second the player's down, they know it's really bad. And the whole arena just kind of went silent. And, you know, she was sobbing. Kim Mulkey went over and was like laying on top of her. You know what I mean? Like sobbing. Like it was mm. really emotional because it was really clear when she first went down that that was it. And I think it was the end of the third quarter when all this was going on and you know they brought out the wheelchair and literally you know had to wheel her out like she couldn't get off the court under her own accord and up until that point like she was just I mean she I think she only had eight points but she was really defensive Baylor's defense was stifling yes Notre Dame and she was a really big reason for that so look not having her in the fourth quarter was huge uh, also, Chloe Jackson and Nalissa Smith both got into foul trouble, oh. um, which, of course, impacted their play as well. So it was tough for Baylor to play as stingy of defense there at the end because they were missing not only Lauren Cox, but some of their best players were dealing with some foul trouble. And look, let's give Notre Dame credit. Notre Dame's the best offense in the country for a reason. And they, and Muffet McGraw was really good at finding plays to really exploit the lack of Lauren Cox in there. Uh, Notre Dame's got a lot of seniors, (laughs) you know, they've literally been here before. I think I texted you in all caps about Marina. Tell us about Mabry. I think I was texting you, Marina. Marina Mabry just came out so huge. I mean, Enrique had, what, 31 points? Yes. I mean, it just, it was just a phenomenal showcase. And so it it got to the point where nobody was missing. Like, everybody was just trading shots back and forth, back and forth in that fourth quarter. And I think the last five minutes, it was just a complete nail biter. I don't real didn't really have a dog in this fight. I had felt closer to the Notre Dame team and you know my grandfather went there. So there were reasons where I was, you know, kind of went in hoping that Notre Dame was the team who come came out on top. Although I also kind of fell in love with the Baylor players in Greensboro last week. They just have such great personalities and are are a lot of fun to be around and are so good. It, as hard as this ending was, so what happened is Notre Dame's down two with about sixteen seconds left. This is after it was tied and Chloe Jackson like just sped past everyone in Notre Dame's defense and went up for a layup. Chloe Jackson was phenomenal. Yeah, hell and like then, game of her life. Chloe game Jackson. of her life. I yeah. mean it was it was transcendent. And then you had on the other side, believe it was like nine seconds left or something, Arike gets the ball in her hand and is down low and she gets fouled with barely any time left. I, yeah, I actually think it's tighter. I think Chloe hit it like at four, and then Enrique hit it like at one. I mean, Ugh, yeah. I think it, it was, was even tighter. It's, okay, you're yeah. probably right. I don't yeah. have it in front of me, and it's all a blur right now. <laughs> so Enrique is at the line, and... She can tie it with both. She hits both. She hits both, and she misses the first one. Oh. And... She's literally the best shooter in Notre Dame history. Like, she's one of the best shooters in college basketball history. And this is her her last moment. And then I think she tried to miss the second one. And made but it. it's hard to try and miss it, <laughs> it right? Is, because yes. you have to still hit the rim for it to count, right? You can't, like, 
just throw it off to the side, you know? It has to right. be, like, a legitimate attempt. And so it's really hard. And so she ended up making that one. And that was it. You know, they lost by one point. So I was oh, I was heartbroken brutal. for Rike and for Notre Dame. But I have to admit, I was so happy that that Lauren Cox injury wasn't the turning point of the game. Didn't cost Baylor the game. Baylor was phenomenal in that first half. It, it would have been the only reason why Baylor would have I mean, why Notre Dame would have won. You just never want to see an injury decide a right, game like exactly. that. Right, exactly. That, that oh. made it a very entertaining fourth quarter, but that Baylor was able to pull through. Wow, we were. I just feel like, once again, this year, it's been a few years in a row now that we've had phenomenal Final Fours across the board. I just want to point out, I think we should just keep pointing it out because of the narrative of women's basketball, that this is now the third year in a row that UConn didn't even make the final. Yeah. <laughs> Second year in a row that they lost to Notre Dame in the semifinal. With Baylor winning, that means that the last four years, we've had four different winners in women's basketball. Four different winners. The last three being female coaches and, yeah. you know, Dawn Staley and then Muffet and then, Kim um, Mulkey. of course, Kim Mulkey. Yeah. You know, I think it's, there was a great stat. I think Holly Rowe tweeted this, the great ESPN, the Holly Rowe uh, flamethrower. Yes, we've had her on the podcast before. This year's final four, the three games were decided by a combined 11 points yeah <laughs> and that was only closer to last year's which was a combined 15 points wow so, that's how uh, tight it's getting that's amazing you know yeah it's it's been pretty remarkable and we've just seen so many great performances I mean you know want to go back think of all the players we got to see this weekend in action you know Sabrina Ionescu I mean Oregon she just she announced she's coming back to Oregon next year yeah. Oregon is going to be the favorite for, for it all which is so exciting because that's a new team right yes. that's in the mix yes um, good point you know, UConn's got a lot of players coming back next year, and they, of course, like didn't have as much talent this year as they have in years past. And Nafisa Collier and Katie Lou Samuelson were both phenomenal in this tournament, and you know they came up just short of another you know remarkable finish, and they're going to be back in the mix. Notre Dame is going to be the biggest question mark, although they have a great recruiting class coming in, and. Uh, you know, a lot of the their players who didn't get a lot of attention will have learned from some of the best in the land. It's just Baylor's got a lot of people coming back. Like women's basketball is just continuously like it's just it's all bunching up. But at the top, like it's just so exciting. Yeah. And that's we're not even talking about Mississippi State or Louisville or these other teams that were also hovering around the top this year right. too. Oh my god, Stanford so, next year te- is Texas going to be A&M? ridiculous. Kennedy Carter's coming back. I mean, just Ooh. like it's going to be I'm I'm so excited yes. now thinking about it. But I did want to shift a little bit and I want to talk about coaches because you had a hell of a week, Lindsay Gibbs. We are all so proud of burning it all down. I think it was last Saturday, is that correct? That you yes. published your big piece about Notre Dame and Muffin McGraw and about gender equity and or inequity in coaching, which is a topic we've talked a lot about on Burn It All Down. Um, But this was, if you care at all about women's basketball, you heard about this this week. This was the piece in which Muffin McGraw said she was never going to hire another man and that she believes very much that more women should be coaching in women's basketball. Ninety? Did she actually tell you ninety nine percent, or was that one of her follow on? That was her. That was in her monologue. Okay. In Final four. So yeah. then, yeah. So Lindsay published this amazing piece. It's beautiful writing. I think we talked about it last week on the show. You should read it. I'll put it in the show notes tonight. But take take it from there, Lindsay. What has this week been like? So you wrote this piece on Saturday, and then what happened? 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, this is a piece that I, I, I think Jess knows more than anyone. Like, it's been in the works for me for months. Mm-hmm. I first kind of pit- started pitching it to my editors last December. I didn't know that it was going to be about the fact that she never was never going to hire a man again. Or, you know, I didn't know that was going to be the lead takeaway until, you know, I got there and interviewed her. But this had been in, in the works for quite some time. You know, I'd worked really hard on it. And so for me, I was just such a relief when it finally got published because I was done with it. Yes, that is <laughs> And, a, you know, it had really just dominated my life for weeks. And, you know, it was really interesting because the reception, I think, right off the gate was really meant a lot to me like it, it it was getting a lot of attention amongst like journalists and coaches and sparking a lot of interesting discussions so I think you know by Sunday night when we uh, recorded our last podcast oh, that's right yeah you know it had been up for a day and a half and I felt like this is good like this is getting a lot you know a good amount of attention there already <laughs> been a couple of pieces written about it and I was like, all right like this is this is cool and I you know of course I hoped you know, I felt that, you know, if Notre Dame kept winning, especially if uh, they met UConn in the final four, that that would, the conversation would continue a little bit, but I had no idea um, how it would evolve. And what really caused it to take off was in Thursday's press conference, Muffet McGraw was asked they didn't cite my piece, but I think it was pretty directly it <laughs> about was. my piece. Yeah, you know, it's, it, yeah it's, it said, you know, you've made some statements about your hiring practices and, and asked her to expand on that. And, and she came ready is, is the shortest Ooh, way to say yes. it. She like she showed up with stats. I mean, you tell you talk about this. Part, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's it's a brilliant piece of video. If you somehow have missed it, you should go to Barack Obama's Twitter feed where he retweeted it. Um, It is literally everywhere. I mean, she shows up and she is asked about coaching, but she makes it a huge statement about gender equity. Like, she talks about the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, and how hard that has been to get passed. Number of women CEOs in the country. I'm trying to remember the different... She she brought up the percentages in the Senate and in the House. Like, she brought up... Every she had every single stat like ready to go, and yeah, I, she was I ready. She was a, ready for this. A quick piece, like she was, she was a hundred percent prepared for this this moment, and you know that was such a cool thing. Like I, I, I felt that she was ready. I mean, she hadn't hesitated when I had asked her the question, and I had been drawn to the piece and been drawn to the topic and been drawn to the story itself because. She had brought it up independently so much after the championship last year. You know, she had brought up female coaches and female empowerment so much independently. So it was clear that this was a topic that she was ready to talk about. But for her to on Thursday, just it, it, I, I don't even know how, how to like it was one of the most inspiring things I've really ever seen. And it clearly just touched it, it, it touched a nerve with people. It just really, really helped. I felt like not just uh, amplify the conversation, but really push it forward. <laughs> yeah. I thought one of the things she did that was so great is that she she made it so big, so much bigger than sports, but then, uh, then yeah. said this beautiful thing about how sports can be the place that we do it in. Why not sports kind of thing? And I just, good job, Muffet McGraw. Thank you, Muffet McGraw. Like, once again... This is what it stuck out to me after my conversation with her in South Bend. I think this is what it stuck out for people. And 
a little bit bothered people about her quotes in my piece. And then was how unapologetic she uh-huh. was, right? And this was her flaunting why she was so unapologetic, right? This was her getting into all of the whys. These were her, this is why I am not backing down. And, you know, one of her quotes that got a lot of attention was, you know, look, 100% of men's, of you know, 99% or 100% of men's basketball coaches are men. So why shouldn't it be 99% or 100% of women's uh, basketball coaches are women? And, like, once again, it's just this unapologetic statement. And it was it was just really remarkable. And it went, you know, every single person. I mean, I saw Kalani Brown retweet it, you know, so like her opponents were retweeting and sharing it. Like they did a they did a segment on Friday morning on the Today Show about the women's final four, right. which and then and Lindsay tweeted this quote out, but like Al Roker pointed out in this segment, like we don't talk about women's basketball and he meant we as like a society. I thought he meant, honestly, I thought he meant them. Like I really kind of thought it was reflective, self-reflective. Thanks to yeah. Muffet McGraw, the Today Show covered the women's final four. I mean, it was just the yeah. series of like the dominoes falling to like the level that this, and you know, it mattered that she was coaching against Gino Ariema, that, that Mulkey was coaching against Graves. Like, Man, you know, that both of the semifinals were men against women. The women won out. Natalie Weiner at SB Nation has a great piece about the the women on Notre Dame's team in the semifinal, like, wanting to do this for McGraw, like, to, to prove that yeah. she really is as good as all of, you know, the, to back up all the words, to help her back up all the words that she had said this week. Just what an amazing series of events. But I... I did want to ask you, so at this point, we've had this incredible week of discussion around this. Like, where do you, I know you've probably thought about this more than like anyone else. Uh, where do you want to see this conversation go from here? Well, okay, there's a there's a few things to kind of <laughs> discuss. I mean, the number one is I want people to get more comfortable with intentionality, mm. right? And, and, and that's what Muffin McGraw is doing. And on a much, much, much smaller scale, it's something we do here at Burn It All Down, right? I've been thinking about that a lot this week, about how we uh, have not had a, you know, a man on the show, as, you know, on the main show as a guest, and how we are very intentional about uh, striving to have really diverse voices and a real, you know, making sure that we have um you know non-binary voices making sure that we have women on color on almost every episode <laughs> and and you know we're we're intentional about this and i grew up in a world where i my first instinct with that sort of intentionality was it was that it was bad you know that almost like we're supposed to be past mm-hmm. this so you're not supposed to acknowledge that you see color right or that you see these things and, and, and for me I saw a lot of that reaction to the things that Muffet was saying you know which is just well yes I believe that it should be a lot of women but also it should be the best person for the job and you know a lot a lot of that stuff well first of all that can be both right mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly Muffet's not sacrificing quality of her team right but second I think it's just time for us all to be comfort like these systems <laughs> We're not built by accident <laughs> and they're not going to crumble by accident, right? right? It's going to take intentionality. It can be uncomfortable and I get it. Like I, there's, 
I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of my friends are men, but you know, I mean, I do like there are a lot of male coaches in women's basketball that I love and admire and that I'm rooting for who are climbing the ranks. Right. Right. And so I, I get that it can be uncomfortable, but I think that it's important to kind of live with that discomfort a little bit and to think about it and to kind of seize it. I think she knew what she was doing when she made yeah, this statement. Me too. She knew it was going to make people a little bit uncomfortable and she wasn't afraid of that. She also knew that that's why it was powerful, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why it struck a chord. It's specifically because of that, that it has made the impact. And that's not an accident. I, I kept feeling and I actually had a reporter who I, I won't name, but he uh, I really appreciated this. He messaged me. He was like, I keep feeling like everyone keeps thinking that, like, you quoted her wrong and that if they ask her again, <laughs> she's going to, like, <laughs> she's going to be like, oh, that was wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah she and, didn't and, back down uh, at all, ever. Didn't throw me under bus. And instead, like, instead of just, like, not backing down, she, like, propelled things forward. Yeah. So I think that's my first thing is I think that's what's been so powerful is that it does make people a little bit uncomfortable. But the other thing is, like, you know, making sure that this is an intersectional push forward, right? Um, Things are much, much worse for women of color. And homophobia in the collegiate ranks is very, very bad as well. And I think that the conversation going forward has to hold both of those things in the forefront um, as well. And Muffet, you know, Muffet said in, in that monologue, I think this part got overlooked, but she said, this isn't just about white women, you know? Yeah. And she did want to make that clear. Um, but I think that, that that has to be a big part of this going forward. Thank you, Lindsay, for your work. Thanks for talking to me about this tonight. And it's sad whenever the women's uh, final four is over, but... Three days from now, right? April 10th is the WNBA draft, and we're only a month out from the season, so we have plenty of women's basketball to come, and we will be covering it here on Burn It All Down. So um, until next time.